is called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus marking peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Brilliant. Thanks, Buda. My name's Stephen. I'm the youth minister here at Bishop Paynton Church. Great to see you all here. And back at my secondary school, there was a divide. Right? There were the set one rugby legends. This is my old secondary school rugby team. Uh, and these guys, they, 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 they ruled QE Boys Grammar School. They were in charge, right? Uh, they, 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 the playground, everyone looked up to these guys. They were big and strong. And they had their own little inner circle. They'd go around as a group. They even had their own dress code for special ties, special socks. And life outside set one rugby. It was tough. Like always looking in, wanting to be involved and included, but, but, but never good enough. Oh, sad times. Because uh, even the teachers would prioritise these rugby legends. But, in year nine, I made it. Right. In year nine, I made it into set one rugby. And I got the tie, I got the, the socks at home, I got the socks and tie, I made it in. And suddenly, everything changed at school. Suddenly, I had like a new group. People looked up to me. I had respect. I had power. Because I was part of set one. And these are like inner circles that exist in like schools and work and places. I'm sure you can think of them in your workplace or in your school, like inner circles. Groups that are hard to get part of and you're always looking in on them and feeling outside. But they're no new thing. They've been around for, for so many years. Um, back when this was written, uh, 62 AD roughly, 
there was a great divide, a big inner circle block. Um, we're going to call it a horizontal wall that sort of separated these two groups of people. And this is the first wall of two we're going to look at tonight. And have a look at verse, uh, verse 11. We, we kind of see who's in, this, who's in this divide. Verse 11. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision. Fancy language, but basically we've got these two groups. On one side, the uncircumcised Gentiles. Anyone who's not Jewish by birth, that's where I belong. Right? On the other side, you've got the Jews. The circumcision, Jews by birth. And these Jews acted like set one rugby at Curie boys. They looked down on the Gentiles with disgust and disdain. We're God's chosen people. And they're sort of using circumcision, a bit weird, to boast in um, and say, look how great we are as a sign, like the socks and, uh, and, and tie of rugby. We, we belong, and you don't. It's a dividing wall, this horizontal wall separating uh, these two groups. And it's hard for us to get across just how hated uh, the Gentiles were by the Jews. Um, here's one quote that tells us a little bit about this. Until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, the funeral of that Jewish boy was carried out. Such contact with a Gentile was the equivalent of death. Brutal. Superior Jews, inferior Gentiles. And this wall, this horizontal wall, it played out in the temple too. Uh, the temple, the place where you go to to meet with God. It looks beautiful, but it was arranged in these little courts. And if you notice, the outside court is called the Court of Gentiles. That's where these non-Jews could go, but no further. There was a big physical wall blocking them from getting anywhere near the temple. The Jews could go in, but Gentiles couldn't. In fact, on this wall, there were these big no-entry signs, like this one found in 1871. It says, no foreigner may enter within the barrier on the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Like, brutal, right? The Gentiles could look at the temple, but never get close. They were separated. There was this horizontal wall of division. And so, imagine back in 60 AD, in the church in Ephesus, when Jews and Gentiles become Christians. Oh no. Suddenly, this wall is like seeping into church life. You've got these two groups, and that divide is kind of like growing in the church. You've got the superior proud Jews and the inferior feeling Gentiles. And this is the reason why Paul writes these bits in Ephesians 2. Because there's this dividing wall of hostility, he calls it in verse 14. And actually, don't we notice these kind of horizontal walls in today's society? See, I think every single human being is good at building walls. And not, not physical walls, because like, not all of us are DIY masters. I mean... I'm useless. Uh, these, are, these are some shelves I tried to put up a few years ago. They lasted three days and are now in our garage for firewood. Like, it's bad. I, I can't do DIY, but I can build walls. These horizontal walls that separate me from other people. All of us can. We sort of look for people who are like us and group together and exclude those different from us. Like the Jews and Gentiles back in Ephesus, but... For us, it's like the North-South divide, or the Brexit-Remain divide, Labour, Conservative, football teams. Uh, and actually, isn't 
like racism, just a horrible extension of this wall building. You're different from us. We're a divided people, naturally, by this horizontal wall. And actually, it creeps into the church, doesn't it? We sort of group with those who are like us and look down on those who are different from us. So we might see it in KO with, 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 with like Newman versus Kings versus Packer. Or, or, or in Feast, you get the, the gap year students versus those who are at university now. Or in the church, we divide by age, uh, gender, by our jobs, by whether we're single or married. And we let little, little like, arguments become these massive barriers blocking others from, from, from our, ourselves. We're good at building walls. These horizontal walls of division. And so, take a moment. Where do you see those in your heart? Where are you building those kind of walls? Are there aspects of your background, maybe your nationality, maybe your, your, your education, maybe your job that you're using as a barrier to separate you from those others over there? Have you got unresolved issues that, with someone in church that's made a big old wall? Where are you doing this? The first wall in Ephesians 2, this horizontal wall, separating us from each other. But there's a second wall too. Uh, the vertical wall, we're going to call it, separating us from God. It's kind of there more in the first part of Ephesians 2, but it's there in this one too. Have a little look um, down at verse 12. Talking to the Gentiles, Paul says, Remember, at that time, so before they were Christians, you were separate from Christ. That There's that wall. They're separated from Jesus, away from God. No hope of getting to God by this sin. And so, no blessings from knowing Jesus. Uh, And Paul carries on in verse 12. He says, you're excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants uh, of the promise. It basically means that these Gentiles are outsiders. They're not part of God's people. They're not part, uh, they don't belong. They don't benefit from it. They don't get the promises and, 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 and the hope. They're foreigners. It's a bit like when I went to America in 2010. The flight was beautiful, landing, sensational. But I get to passport control, and things go bad fast. Because like, the guy there standing there, having, I, I try and make him laugh. Bad idea. Never try and make the American Border Patrol laugh. It goes badly every time. The guy looks at me and says, You think this is funny, uh, funny son? I can send you packing right now. That's my American accent, sorry, it's not very good. But, but like, I was terrified. I'm sorry, sir. Please forgive me. Like, it's, it's scary because at that moment, I had no rights. I didn't belong. I, I had no protection. Like He could send me off. and I, That's that. It's scary being a foreigner and outside. That's what these Gentiles are like. They're outside, foreigners, separated by these two massive walls, the, the horizontal wall and the vertical wall. And in fact, Paul kind of summarizes their state in in verse 12. He he says, they're without hope and without God. They're Christless, and so they're hopeless and godless. Behind these two walls, the vertical one and the horizontal one. And actually, it's not just the Gentiles. Phil was telling us last week, have a look at Ephesians 2, verse 3, on page 1173. Flick it over for a minute. Uh, Paul says, all of us 
lived among them at one time. And flick back to the beginning, the top of page 1174, it says, uh, verse 3 again, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Every single human being, because of our own sin, were separated from God by this vertical wall. So all of us, before Jesus, are Christless, so we're hopeless and godless and deserving of wrath. Paul paints this picture, uh, this terrible and terrifying picture of double alienation, it's called. Separated from each other, separated from God. And it's scary. And actually, if you're not a Christian here today, that's kind of where you're at. You're Christless and hopeless and godless, deserving of wrath, Ephesians 2 says. But there is some good news. Because it doesn't have to be that way. Because if you notice verse 11 and 12, they're in the past tense. See, something has changed for Christians. For those who believe in Jesus, something is different. And it all starts there in verse 13 with one word. But. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Biblical buts are huge. And there's two here in Ephesians 2. This is the second one. Right? And both of them are beautiful because um, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 kind of mirrors this passage here. Both start with the pre-Christ state of humanity. Both have a beautiful big but in the middle, verse 4 and verse 13. And both show the wonder of the Christian life. And it is awesome. Because have a look at verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, for those who trust in Jesus, you who once are far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Like, Jesus came in like a wrecking ball, and smashes the barrier down. (laughs) Thanks, lads. That's what Jesus does. He comes in like a wrecking ball, smashes any and every wall standing up. The horizontal and vertical ones go tumbling. I mean, have you noticed um, the cross before? It's made of two beams. One vertical, one horizontal. Jesus died to break down walls. One vertical, one horizontal. Jesus died to bring us together and to bring us to God. Isn't that awesome? Jesus died to break down walls. Let's have a look at them tumble. And the first one is there in verse 14. The horizontal wall breaks down. Verse 14. And he himself is our peace who makes the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And verse 15 carries on. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. There's peace in Jesus for the Jews and Gentiles. They're brought together in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Like Paul saying to the Gentiles who were excluded, he says, you were excluded, you were far away, now you're included, now you're brought near. You were two, Jew and Gentile, now you're one. You were at war, now you're at peace because of Jesus' death on the cross. Everything changes. Like me and Setman Rugby, I made it. They're in. See, Jesus' death on the cross is the only weapon strong enough to bring 
peace in this world. I mean, if he brought peace between Jew and Gentile, just think what he can do in this church with those walls we put up in this world. Jesus died to break down walls and the horizontal one goes, goes tumbling and falling. And also the vertical one, uh, there in verse 16. Uh, Jesus died in one body to reconcile both of them, both groups, Jew and Gentile, to God through the cross. Yes. See, Jesus died to bring us to God. The only way for us to get to know God is trusting in Jesus. He died to bring us there and smash through that wall. Isn't that awesome? Jesus died to break down walls. The vertical and horizontal ones go tumbling when he rocks up. Um, on my finger, oh, I've got this ring. It's on the screen if you can't see it. Uh, I found it in China. Long story. I won't go into that. But on the ring is written in Greek these letters here. Um, it says, for those of you who can't read ancient Greek, Henas Se Christo. Um, which translates as one in Christ. See, this ring is quoted in Galatians 3.28, where Paul says, all are one in Jesus. And it's the symbol I look at when I'm having a hard time people in church to remind me that we're one, that Christ has broken down the walls. It's a symbol of unity. And see, God's given us an amazing symbol of unity for all of us, the cross. The cross is what we look to when we're finding it hard to reconcile. Because, because through Jesus' death on the cross, God has reconciled us to himself. So we can find the power to reconcile with others. As John Piper said, we must be a reconciling people because we are a reconciled people. I love that. Jesus died to break down walls. To bring us together and bring us to God. And have a look at verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. See, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, what was the thing he said to the disciples in John 20? He said, peace be with you. Because his death achieves peace with each other and with God. Jesus died to break down walls. And yet, Jesus isn't just a wrecking ball. He's so much more. Because the language of Ephesians 2, there's building, there's making, there's, a, there's creating. Jesus is a builder too. Oh, he can fix and build anything. He's a builder. Um, back in America, after I made it past um, security guards, I went to visit uh, this guy here. Um, he's my friend Nick. <laughs> what, a, what a cheeky grin. Um, but I stayed with Nick for six months. And, and Nick, see, he has a big project for me to do when I was there. Nick's got a weird hobby, right? He collects old houses. So he used to drive around in his big pickup truck, right? And go to like broken down houses and start like taking them apart. Legally, of course. Um, and then like he'd drive them home and he had this storehouse just filled with like parts of old broken down houses. And so when I got there, there were five or six of these houses in this like big storehouse bit. And his plan for me and him was to turn that rubble into something brand new. We were going to make one brand new building out of all the rubble of the old. And that's what we did for six months. We built one out of all this rubble. That's what Jesus does. See, see, there's, there's the house. Look at it. 
wonderful. Uh, Jesus uh, breaks down walls to build his people up, to build his church up, and he builds them into three beautiful pictures. He builds people up into a kingdom, a family, and a temple. Jesus breaks down walls to build people up into a kingdom, a family, and a temple. See, Christians are one kingdom in Jesus. Have a look at verse 19. Paul says, Consequently, because of the cross, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. Yes. Isn't that awesome? That means in this room, there are no strangers here. There are no outsiders. If you're trusting Jesus, we're one kingdom. So when I became a Christian, I stopped being half Cypriot and half British. I became fully Christian. That's who I am. That's my identity. And that's yours too, trusting Jesus. That means like here at church, there should be no division, no Jew-Gentile divide. No division of any kind, not by age or gender or voting pattern in the 2016 referendum. No division of any kind. We're one kingdom. That trumps all. And so do all you can here at BH um, to break down barriers. At BH, at KO, at Feast, break down those barriers. Reach out and reconcile too. Because if anyone feels like an outsider, we've done something wrong. There should be no inner circles here. And actually, isn't it awesome like, when we act like that as a church? Isn't it awesome when there's different ages, different stages, different jobs, joining together to sing the praises of God? Because that just exalts Jesus and shows his wall-breaking power in all its glory. He breaks walls down to build us into one kingdom in Jesus. And he breaks walls down to build us into one family in Jesus. Oh, look at that family. Lovely. See, uh, back in verse 18. Through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. There is one saviour who, who brings us into one family with one father and one spirit. And so the people in this room aren't just not strangers anymore. They're your family. They're my family. Isn't that awesome? Like we, as we become Christians, we become part of the biggest and best family ever where we're loved and have access to the father of, of, of all And we get new brothers and sisters. What a joy. See, Jesus breaks walls down to bring us up into one family in Jesus. And he breaks walls down to bring us into one temple in Jesus. Have a look at verse 22. Um, uh, Paul says, In him you two are becoming, uh, or are being built together. Sorry. You two are being built together. Paul says, Jew and Gentile, you are bricks. Every Christian believer is a brick. And like, that kind of means we need each other. Because if you notice, you don't get a, a, a temple with just one brick. Bricks need other bricks to stand up. So we need you. I need you. You need me. Like, we feel it when you aren't here. So please do all you can to be part of this church week in, week out. Because we're bricks. And also, I'd love us to start saying... You're a brick to each other. Back in, back in Narnia days, you may have read Narnia, um, they say you're a brick a lot, because it, it, it's old English for like, old, old, old chap, for um, a real outstanding chap or chapess. I'd love us to start saying that. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's bring back the brick here at BH to remind each other. We need each other. We're part of one temple. You're a brick. Yes. 
That's a good thing. Um, anyway, back, back in America with, with Nick. We'll go back there again. Um, now, Nick knew my DIY skills were limited. So, so, so he gave me jobs fitting to my capabilities. Uh, I was the coffee man and, and the carrying horse. So I, I bought Nick his coffee and carried things around. The foundations... That was Nick. You don't want dodgy shelf Demetrio down there. No, thank you, right? And also, the cementing and troweling, technical words, that was Nick too. Because, like, the foundations are really important for a strong building. The cementing, really important for a strong building. And just look at the foundations in cement in God's temple. They're pretty firm and spectacular. Verse 20. This temple is built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. See, as a church, we are built on the apostles and prophets, which is shorthand for the New and Old Testament. We're built on God's word. This is our firm, unchanging foundation. And it's solid. And so we teach the Bible here. We love the Bible. We do all we can to stick true to what it says. And also, we don't go adding bits to it or taking bits out we don't like. It's our foundation. I mean, with your house, you wouldn't go underneath and start taking bits off and adding other bits to it. That's crazy. So we don't do that with the Bible either. Instead, we love it, we treasure it, we cherish it, and we read it. It's our foundation. And Christ is the cornerstone. The cornerstone kind of like keeps the building up and keeps it level. And so he is the single most important person here. Um, Especially because verse 21 also tells us more about Jesus. Verse 21, in him, uh, the whole building is joined together. Jesus is the cement that glues different people together, that glues Jew and Gentile into one building. Uh, And actually, that's the biggest thing we have in common with each other. The biggest thing we have in common with each other is Jesus. So if we're finding someone in the church hard, get back to Jesus. Like pray with them, read the Bible with them, talk about Jesus with them, because that is our cement, he glues us together. We are built into one temple in Jesus. And just imagine the Gentiles reading this in AD 60. They've always been outside, excluded from, from God's temple. And now Paul says to them, you are not only in the temple, but you're part of the wall. You're integral to its structure. Isn't that awesome? Jesus breaks down walls to bring us into one temple in Jesus. And just look at the purpose he has for his temple in verse 22. In him, you're being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Every church, as Rich Cokin said, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, a magnificent wonder of the world. Doesn't that make us look at church differently? I mean, have a look at people in this church. Like, do it right now. Have a look around. We may not look that impressive, right? We're a, bit, a pretty ragtag bunch of people, right? We're not that impressive on the outside. If Ephesians 2 is true, then we are a magnificent wonder of the world together. Because God's spirit is here. God's spirit is in us. Church is something special and beautiful. See, 
that Jesus breaks down walls to build us up into a kingdom, a family, and a temple. So let's start living like that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus breaks down any and every wall, the vertical wall separating us from you and the horizontal wall separating us from each other. Thank you that he breaks them down to build us up into these three beautiful things, a family, a kingdom, and a temple. Lord, help us to live like that. Uh, And Father, would our church be one that genuinely loves like a family, that genuinely includes like a kingdom, and genuinely glorifies you like a temple. Amen.